Good morning. Okay. Well, we shall try. Father, we uh, we thank you for the opportunity to come together to worship you, to be a family together, to be community, even when we're small in number. Father, you are in our midst, and we love your presence. We love to be together. We love to be together in you. Thank you for the opportunity. Father, I pray that you would speak to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, I thought I might kind of mix together a little report on my trip um, in amongst some things that I really feel like God's been saying to me lately. You know, and when the new year comes around, we make New Year's resolutions, things like that, and and uh, toward the end of the year, um, November, December, start I start praying about you know what is what does next year hold, and um, actually the. 2017 kind of ended tough. Medat had just come through, and we spent three weeks together, um, which was great. Uh, but but um, the the enemy really stepped up uh, attack. There was all sorts of confusion afterwards, misunderstandings, all sorts of things going on, and I was confused and. Uh, and so I was praying about that. I was praying for us as a community. I was praying for um, my family well, and, and just for myself also. Praying um, for breakthrough. Uh, praying that, that God would come and move, do something. And, uh, and as I was praying, I really felt like God speak that word breakthrough to me. And in... Uh, it's rather made that ask to uh, <clears throat> to say 2018 is the year of breakthrough, um, <clears throat> but I do I do feel like that God uh, was speaking that to me. Now, in praying specifically for World Shine, we have had uh, we've had difficulty in Uganda. Um, we've had difficulty. We've had f- uh, this financial stranglehold on the ministry there. In Uganda, of course, Maydad was blocked from coming to the U.S. for two years because he couldn't get a visa. He did finally get it, obviously. We've had stalled projects that just kind of languish and buildings half-finished and setbacks with people. We had programs that would stall and all sorts of roadblocks. And Maydad and I have been praying so much. What, God, what are you doing? What? What needs to change? What do we need to do? Do we need to repent of something? What, what is, what's the problem? Um, so with Medad getting his visa and being able to come, I felt like it was the, the small cloud in the distance that Elijah's servant uh, got to see and <clears throat> sort of this, the rain is coming kind of thing. Um, so... Uh, So, anyway, I go to Uganda. Uh, I've been gone for a couple of weeks, as you know. Uh, And in that time, so this is just January now, all of a sudden things start breaking loose. So, as far as projects goes, 
All right, so we have this dining hall, right? You've seen pictures of it. It's, it's big. It's really big. And it has been unfinished. We started it, I think, in the end of 2014. And we have limped along, doing pieces of it, um, putting a roof on, putting the floor in, and slowly and slowly. And we have, it's been kind of this albatross around our neck. How can we finish the dining hall? Well, uh, while I was in Uganda, I get an email from the pastor of a church in Kansas that said, we want to send you $8,000 to finish the dining hall, which was like four years we've been waiting for something to happen. Suddenly we get a check, um, and I actually got the check when I got here. So, um, And now the dining hall only cost 3000 to finish. So we had an extra $5,000, which is a pretty big deal. So we have also been praying about <clears throat> opening a U-Hop in Uganda. So when I was there, we went looking, and we found a terrific house, a bigger house than this, right on the edge of Makara University, which is the largest university in Uganda. And we've got, um, we've got several students that are going there that are involved with the Vadiashal Fellowship and, um, and we actually started a small Vadiashal Fellowship there at McCary last year. So we found this great house. We could afford it. And with this money, we are able to put furniture in it and get it started. And, and so now we have this answered prayer, which, is, which will open up a whole new uh, ministry opportunity to the university. We're going to put a uh, one of the... the Priority items for the house was a big screen TV to put in the main room, and that way, you know, soccer is a huge deal there. So whenever there's a big soccer match, we can use it to invite people. Come watch the soccer match on the big screen TV, and then what they do during halftime, they have halftime at soccer, I don't even know. Um, during, during their breaks or whatever, they preach the gospel to the people that are there. So... Um, so it's a it's a great opportunity to uh, to do some things, and we'll use it for emerging leaders class, that sort of thing. Another. So you saying you put a down payment on that? Or we paid. The dining hall savings. Mm-hmm. We paid the first six months' rent wow. on the house, and we're able to uh, put furniture in it. Not all the furniture. We we want to eventually put bunk beds in in two bedrooms so we can have retreats there, so that we can have mission teams come and stay there and all that sort of stuff. So we got we got grand. I have grand plans for it, and you can imagine what Maydad um, has <laughs> in his mind. <coughs> uh, uh, but anyway, it has a great yard. It's got a compound, so a big wall all the way around it. It's got a grass and trees, and you can put a tent out in the yard. It's, it's really a great house. We're exciting. Maybe not big enough to play soccer, but they'll they'll figure something out, I'm sure. Um, that now, uh, as far as just the the ministry, the office there, we've been wanting for a long time to hire an accountant. Connie has been filling the role of finance and um, administration. She hates it. She's always hated it. She's very felt uncomfortable doing it all along, <clears throat> but we've never had enough money to do it. From Maydad's trip through the U.S., he, we were able to save up enough for a year's salary for a um, an accountant. Now, a year's salary is not that much, so don't, don't get these visions of grandeur of how much money he made. I think it was like 
$1,500 is the year salary for an accountant. But the exciting thing is we were able to hire one of the young men that we've been raising in the fellowship there who has a degree in accounting. So not only do we get an accountant, but we're also able to take one of our own and raise him up and put him in the position. We can trust him. We know him. Uh, it's it's kind of a win-win situation. He's a terrific guy. Um, uh, so we, we were able to hire an accountant. That frees up Connie from messing with finances. Not only that, we are able to hire an operations guy. Now, um, so many of you know uh, Maydad, but and many of you know Rusty better, right? Rusty uh, is blessed with slash suffers with um, what someone has termed ideaphoria. Have you heard Rusty talk about this? <laughs> that uh, he has a bazillion ideas all the time. Maydad has millions of ideas all the time. They're huge ideas. I mean, he's ready to um, build a convention hall in the city. And, you know, he's, he wants to do all <laughs> kinds of things. But he suffers, is blessed with uh, ideaphoria. Now, there's never been anyone to pick up any of his ideas and run with them. Maydad is not the, the, guy, the detail guy to actually make it happen. So we have a, a guy who, who we, we've had as the project manager in, at the school for a long time, so now we're able to shift him to Kampala, and he's going to be able to vet and also run with some of the projects, some of the ideas that Maydad comes up with. So we're really excited about that. Then, I mean, all these things are happening in January, right? This is... The 2018 is the year of breakthrough. Already in January, uh, I have this list. So, as you know, one of the things that we do is, is discipleship. It's one of the things that I focus on. And we have uh, young men, uh, some of them I've been working with for six years now. Uh, some fine young men. Uh, and each year we have a new class that are, that are graduating high school and coming to the fellowship. So each year we have um, some coming in. And uh, th- anyway, this, this January I got to see, I did three different retreats across the, the country, uh, all the way in the east at our school. We had a staff retreat. Then one in the city, which is in the center, and then one all the way in the east in Mbali, which I'll talk about in a little bit, at the Kenyan border. Uh, and the staff retreat was fine. We had about 100 people because Maydad invited many more people than staff. Uh, but uh, at the retreat in Kampala and the retreat in Bali, they were, it was young men, new uh, emerging leaders that we've identified in the fellowship there. And the really neat thing is the older young guys uh, were the ones who led the retreats. So I just... I just paid for it, but I uh, I just added my two cents here and there. But they did a terrific job of of teaching and praying with and ministering to uh, uh, the other young men that were bringing up. So that personally was gratifying and exciting uh, just to see how these guys have grown. I got to sit uh, with several of them during uh, during the week. 
and uh, they're, they're really turning into fine young men. Now, last but not least, uh, well, that was the new wave of young men uh, that we're bringing up, but uh, in Mbale, which is at the Kenyan border all the way in the, in the east, um, there's a university there called Livingstone International University. Uh, they are a Church of Christ um, university, coupled with some other denomination, and I can't remember what other denomination it is, that they kind of have done a joint effort. But the vice chancellor actually graduated from Harding Graduate School, and he's from Memphis. Uh, so we kind of connected, and it was great. One of our young guys from the Vadia Shell Fellowship in Kampala is going to school there, and so he's our connection. And we had a retreat there. He gathered up 13 young guys. They're building a new campus. And so the vice chancellor I talked to, he made sure that he got the bathrooms working for us. The, the, the new campus is not finished. He got the bathrooms working for us and ran a temporary power line to one of the buildings so that we could have our retreat in the new part of the campus. We're the first group that has used their new campus. Uh, and we had these 13 guys and, and did a retreat with them. And so we're going to establish a new fellowship, a new Vadiasho fellowship there in Mbali. Now, uh, this, this list, to me, is incredibly remarkable because each one of these things we've been trying to do for a long time. And suddenly there's been some sort of a breakthrough. Uh, and we're, I can't imagine what's going to happen for the rest of the year because this is just January. So uh, I'll be back in May, and we'll see how we're doing on all these things. This is a picture. I think Rusty actually showed it last week. Uh, this is a picture in Mbale. So this is the new university, which is the new facility that we're at. Uh, the city, M, B, A, L, E. They do that a lot. Rentobo is R, W. Um, anyway, Mbale. Did you tell them also that Emma is is funded at that school by? Uh, yeah, by Chris Courts. Is uh, is actually sending him through school and paying for all his fees. Uh, which is why he's there. And that's Emma, the cool guy. He's the one who's... He's the one. Since I got back. Yeah. They got the coolest <laughs> one. That's some old dude. This is the Church of Christ dude. This is Barnabas, if you recognize. That's Medad's eldest. Right? So he led most of the retreat, did a lot of the teaching. Uh, this is... Uh, his brother, Festo, who is also cool, um, and he, uh, we, we drafted him. He's, he hates to speak in front of people, but we put him on the spot uh, regularly. And uh, this guy is Ivan. He's also one of the older guys. So Ivan and um, Barnabas led most of the retreat for us, and, uh, and Emma did a little. Where is Chris Quartz's student? Mm -hmm. That's who he's. Uh, that's who he's uh, scholarshipping to go there. You got him connected up with 
with that ideas. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Medad actually found the school. Medad did some sort of a workshop there last year mm -hmm. and loved the university, said it was fantastic, and so he was dying to send somebody there. So uh, we sent Emma. And he's doing really well. Obviously, he gathered up all these guys. Now, really? now three of these guys, um, I think those three are from South Sudan. Now, uh, I might just throw this in. It's kind of an aside. Uh, what we do in the retreat is we take we take people through uh, just a progression of of teaching. And one of the one of the items we talk to them about is well, we talk about discipleship. We define it as uh, as Jesus' method of evangelism, and uh, we we study it some, and then we talk about oh, the fact that discipleship is personal, it's relational, and sharing your story. A little bit of Terry in there. Sharing your story, walking in the light, is an important part of discipleship. So we kind of we we give them examples of it. I I called on several of these young guys. Uh, Barnabas and Festo and Ivan, I called on them, and they demonstrated how to share your story in, in different ways. Uh, but then we gave each of them an opportunity. Now, three of them are from South Sudan. And to, to hear their story was unbelievable. Uh, War-torn, war South Sudan, is, Sudan has been in a horrible war, uh, tribal war, for a long time. So as kids... They remember bullets flying through the house. They remember having to lay flat on the floor. They remember going outside and having bodies <clears throat> laid alongside of the road, dead bodies. Uh, they were separated. All of them were separated from their families early and uh, went to live with relatives or in refugee camps in Uganda. They got to cross the border, that sort of thing. Now, you'd think that tragic life was would be unique to the situation of war, but 100% of these guys have a story that just takes your breath away. The horror of their childhoods. Fathers who are alcoholics, abusive, um, abandoned, left, left in the bush, um, uh, separated from parents, uh, physically abused, uh, verbally abused, Almost every one of them grew up with their fathers, if they were there, telling them how worthless they were, mm -hmm. that they will never amount to anything, that they're stupid. Can you imagine saying that sort of stuff to your son? Um, but that's normal. 100% of these guys had a story like that. So to, it becomes so apparent when I'm with these guys of the enemy's attack on the family and on the individual, in particular, the identity of, of each of these young men. Their identities are shaped in that message that they are stupid and they're worthless. Well, obviously, our identity in Christ is the complete opposite and getting them to actually understand that, believe it, have it connect, takes time and effort. So we made, uh, in, in this first retreat, we, we just introduced them to the, to, the, to the fact that the way they've been living, the way they've been thinking about themselves is a complete lie. 
And for people who have not heard that before, that is revolutionary, and they, it, they can't even comprehend it. It's sort of like the movie The Matrix, right? To, to wake up to the fact that what I see, what I think, is completely wrong. It's all a lie. It's all fake. Uh, now, we've been, we've been working on these things for decades, uh, mostly because of our brother Terry. Uh, and so to us, that's not so shocking, but to them, it's the first time they've ever heard something like that. So th- we're scratching the surface, and it takes uh, repetition, it takes encouragement, it takes discipleship to walk with these young men to keep pointing out to them, wait a minute, think about how you're thinking. And we have to change that. You have to choose the truth instead of going with the lie that you believe. So the definition of faith becomes so apparent. It is believing something that there's no evidence for. So for them, they they know the truth is that they'll never succeed, that they're victims. And that's the truth that they live with. So faith means I have to reject what I know to be true and pick something that doesn't feel true at all. Um, I mean, that's not, not a new message, but it becomes so real when you're in an environment like this. It's, uh, it's pretty shocking. Now, these guys have big smiles on their faces. They look terrific. Um, but when you get them to stop and talk and they open up, I mean, they don't have smiles on their faces at that point. So, so looking up breakthrough, the definition of breakthrough, there's, there are three different um, aspects of breakthrough. That's not new for any of you. But all of these things, every one of these, uh, speak to getting past something, getting either going right through it or getting around some sort of obstacle. And uh, one of the things we talk about on the retreat is giants, giants in your life. So I did uh, one of the sessions that I did in our staff retreat was about giants. And so this is a couple of slides from, from, from that. But we talk about giants being this, this massive... Thing that you can't defeat, right? Insurmountable, huge, massive. Um, and so basically a giant is anything that opposes God. And if you think about it, there are many things in our own lives, in our own minds, that opposes God. Uh, so if we look at David and Goliath, I won't read all this, but um, Goliath, of course, is our big example of a giant. That uh, that was a big thing. So so there's a description in the beginning of how huge this guy is. This says he was uh, what six cubits and and whatever, but which is like nine over nine feet tall, massive guy. Had all this armament, big, huge. The description of the giant is something massive and completely intimidating, right? Which if you then translate that into those things in our lives that we can't get past. It's big, it's intimidating, we don't want to even touch it uh, because how big it is. So, But at the, at the end, when you look at um, the scripture at the end, it says, 
Um, when Saul and all Israel heard these words, now the giant, of course, is not only standing there, he's taunting, right? He's taunting the armies of Israel, saying, you can't do it, you can't get past me, go ahead and send me somebody, um, and I'll take him out. So he taunts them, and then when all of Israel hears the words, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And then for 40 days, now this is, remember, this is when David comes to uh, bring some food to his brothers on the lines. David overhears all this. But for 40 days, uh, this Philistine, this pagan, uh, was standing up in front of the, um, the army of Israel. Uh, for 40 days, he came forward and said the same thing, morning, noon, and night, constantly. So think about after 40 days, you get pretty used to it, and you're in, in on the lines, and you're thinking, oh, there he goes again, but everyone's afraid. So after 40 days, it becomes somewhat normal. But after 40 years of having a giant in our lives, it just becomes part of us. We're used to it. That's our reality. Um, we don't even hear the words anymore of that giant that taunts us. We just live with it. It's just the way it is. So one of the other slides that um, I used when we are talking about giants um, just kind of lists a bunch of giants. So so the thing that struck me was we've all got some giants in our lives that we have been living with for 40, 50, 60, 70 years. And we avoid it. We hardly notice it anymore. As uh, Maydad always says, enough is enough. So the the thing that came to mind as I was thinking about this was David David Vaughn, and I called him this morning and asked him if I could tell this. I, I was going to have him tell it some, but he's in quarantine because he was exposed to the flu. Um, so he and uh, Judy are in quarantine. But if you'll remember, some of you, uh, David shared, I think it was at the men's prayer breakfast, but... Um, if you remember, as part of David's story, David um, had a horrendous um, junior high, high school uh, time of his life. It was a time when I think there was there were bullies involved. There, it was a horrible, horrible situation for David, and one that um, he avoided uh, for the rest of his life. Uh, and whenever they whenever he got a notice for a one of the reunions, a class reunion. Mm. There was no way he was going to go back there. But this year, it was earlier in the year, he got a notice that uh, for his class reunion, and something clicked. And, and he said, enough is enough. And really felt like God was speaking to him, kind of pushing him. He and Judy talked about it. Uh, Judy encouraged him to go, and he went by himself. He didn't bring Judy. And he went back, and he faced that giant. And 
And he talked to me. I, I talked to him about it this morning again. And uh, he said what for years, for decades for him, has been uh, that has been something of fear and escape turned into embrace and, and joy because he was able to step through it. Now, when he got there, he different people would would come into the room, and David was like, oh, no, the, these people. But he stood, and he it was, his, it was the time, apparently. And this concept of kairos, right, the appointed time. Uh, for all of us, we have appointed times in our lives. And if you remember, part of my story is, you know, for 10 years, I was not able to stand up here like this in front of anybody and speak. Uh, for 10 years, I, uh, my mouth was shut. Just panic attack. If, if, it was, if we went around the room and just said your name, I would leave the room. When it came time, uh, when it got close to me, I would go to the bathroom. I could not speak in front of people until uh, at the time at the ranch where um, Heather Johnston came up to me and said, enough is enough. Uh, and she said, it's time for you to, to step out. Now, that didn't fix everything at the time, <clears throat> but it was a crack in the door, and so here, here I am. And we all have these kairos moments of God saying to us, that giant, is it's time for that giant to come down. So my encouragement for us is all of us have giants. All of us have lived with giants in our lives for many, many years. I'm not At this point, I'm not saying it's time to go uh, slay every giant that you know of in your life. But I think for all of us, it's really important for us to continually ask the Father, is now the time? Is now the time for that giant? Is, it, is now... Can I can I step out? Can I can I sling a rock now and do it? And uh, listen to his voice to be able to then step out. It doesn't go away. The fear of the giant doesn't go away instantly, but uh, there is new grace apparently at, at this Kairos time. There's new grace to step forward. And if we're not listening, if we're not asking, then we might just continue living with the giant. So I guess what I'm posing, uh, the question is, is 2018 your time of breakthrough for whatever giants you've been uh, holding on to or running from and letting stay in your life? I just was um, shown this that a young man has. I've had this book for some time just to show the quick story of Lion King because God's just shown me so many metaphors in there from scene to scene that really want to write them down to evangelize with. He even told me to add that the first time I met him. <coughs> Come over and teach that in our conference. Did you know that? Yeah. yeah. So uh, the latest is that they're going to do Lion King Jr. And I would sure love to see you being the foster or something you know, at the Croc Center Theater. But one of the 
most powerful moments in there is when Rafiki, the prophet pastor of the movie, tells Simba, it is time. It is Kairos time for you to return. Enough is enough of letting the brother Scar bring darkness and destruction to the prime lands. Go back and take it. Take him off. Take the land. Take authority. Quit, you know, your Kakuna Matata passivity. Get up, take responsibility. Be who you are. Remember who you are. It's just so applicable for everything you said. <coughs> I see parallels with this story every day. So really, I'm asking for prayer because I spent almost a whole day writing for a blog to the theater there called Stage Door. They have, uh, what do you call it, not interviewed, but when they, for the play, 70 kids from third grade to high, through high school are going to be in the Lion King Jr. production in May, 11, 12, 13. God, I wish you could be here. <laughs>